I'm not at home today. I'm actually sitting um, in the upstairs bedroom of a house that does not belong to me because I have once again taken oddly adulting on the road. So I'm also not alone. Yep, you sure not. <laughs> so I am sitting in this upstairs bedroom with um, one of the original producers of the podcast because <laughs> this is my dad. Hi guys, how's everybody doing? <laughs> so dad, dad gets some producer credit because um, you know without his, without him, I wouldn't be here. So yeah, that's in more ways than one. <laughs> not just uh, not just the producer uh, donation side of the house. That's right. <laughs> so we are sitting up here and we're going to record this podcast today. And um, I asked dad, I, I told dad that I thought it would be fun for us to do an episode together. And he said, well, what, what would we even talk about? And I said, well, I know how to get you talking. There's one, if there's one thing I can do that gets you talking, it's to talk about Texas, Texas, the great state of Texas. <laughs> That's right. Because dad, anyone can become an American, but you have to be born in Texas. <laughs> You have to be born a Texan. <laughs> so dad and I also have that in common because dad was born in Texas. Where in Texas were you born? I was born in Big Spring, Texas. It's out west, close to um, Odessa is a town people would have heard of. Okay. Odessa. And that was um, a few years ago, right? You have a birthday coming up, don't you? That's correct. Uh, my birthday's only nine, nine days from now and I'll be 63 years young. 63. 63, that's a good number. Um, I like numbers like that because like three can go into six. Three is like a multiple of six that's, or that's a numeral. Which one is it? Don't know. I don't know either. I'm not a math teacher. Um, yeah. So dad was born in Texas. I was also born in Texas. I was born in Texas in 1982 in Lubbock. Yeah. I was, uh, in, uh, I was an instructor in the air force at Lubbock, Texas. It was, uh, the air force base was called Reese air force base. Which, um, like many bases in the states, got closed in about the mid nineties, oh, around nineteen ninety five or so. I'm now sad. the base is still the buildings are still there, and I went back several years ago and I drove around the base and saw my old squadron that I was in, and they actually had my squadron building is now used uh, for uh, training nurses. So I walked into this squadron building into <laughs> our into the big room. And I was a T-38 instructor, and that is called the Talon. The T-38's name is the Talon. It's also called the White Rocket. And we had a big picture of a T-38 painted on the side of the room, yeah. and it said the White Rocket. And I went in there, and they had hospital beds and these mannequins and all for nurses to do training. But and was was the mural still there? The mural was still oh, there. Oh, good. I thought and, you were going to say, and you and they had painted over our White no, Rocket. No. In oh, fact, good. if you drove all over the base... Most of the things were still there. In fact, an interesting thing about every Air Force base in the world, the very first thing they build on an Air Force base is the golf course. Uh, what? Yes, and they always build the golf course, and they always have a bomb shelter at the golf course. That's their justification <laughs> for building that building. And even in Lubbock, Texas, out in West Texas, they had a golf course with a uh, with the O Club, Officers Club, was at the golf course. Oh, that's funny. So that, in case um, 
in case we have anybody out there that is not a military brat or military family um, familiarity, there's a lot of joking that goes on about um, the different armed forces. Yes. So like the the Marines are the the real tough guys. Oh, They're the in fact, let what me, are they the jarheads? Is that what they call them? Yeah, but let, let me tell you something about the Marines. <laughs> um, the Marines are are the toughest force in my personal opinion. I was an Air Force guy. And we are way watered down compared to the Marines. The Marines are the first ones in and the last ones out. And to die for your country is no more honor than you could possibly do. Now, in the Air Force, if somebody said we had to die, we go, what? (laughs) Our goal is to try to avoid dying. But in the Marine Corps, if you die for your country, it's it's a great honor to be a Marine and even to be an Air Force person. I would say it's a good I would say it's an honorable thing to be in the, the armed forces. Period. But it is funny to me to hear that a golf course is the first thing. I bet you they don't have golf courses on the Army bases. Um, you know, I don't know if they do, but they have every <laughs> Air Force base I've ever been to has a golf course. And some are really nice. Very <laughs> nice. Funny. Oh, man. Well, um, so we have several things that we want to talk about. I, want, I have some stories I want to hear. Um, somebody mentioned to me a while back, they were like, you know what? It's really cool that this podcast is kind of like, it's sort of like a... Um, what did she call it? Uh, like an oral journal. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, someday my kids can listen to it and be like, oh, my mom told us all, told all these stories on us, you know, and, oh, it'll be so cute. And I was like, well, this would be fun then, in my opinion, to have you tell some stories because you have some stories like that you've told us over the years that are like my favorites. Yeah. So that's what, that's what I want to hear from you. All right. a couple of favorite stories. So, and then I'm going to ask you a question after all the stories are over that has nothing to do with the stories um, that I just want to hear your reaction on. Okay. So that's kind of my plan is that I want you to tell some stories about Texas. And I think you said you wanted to start by telling the one about why you love Dr. Pepper. Oh, yeah. We have this in common too. Besides being from Texas, our favorite soft drink is Dr. Pepper, which is only natural because Dr. Pepper is from Texas. Texas. And actually, Dr. Pepper originated in Waco, Texas. And I think there's still a big uh, museum there in Waco, Texas about the origination of Dr. Pepper. Yeah, I think there so, is. So here's a little story about Dr. Pepper. I couldn't remember why it was I loved Dr. Pepper. Well, my, my mom got remarried uh, when I was about 11 years old, 11 or 12 years old. And we lived in a town out in West Texas called Level Land, Texas. Now, it's a very aptly named town because everything is flat out in West Texas. The field elevation is very level (laughs) land. And uh, Reese Air Force Base in Lubbock, Texas is only about 30 miles east of level land. And so when I was in about the fifth grade, we moved back to Denton. Pardon me. We moved back to level land, Texas. And my mom met my stepfather and he went by the initials J.J., and I asked him once, well, what, what's your real name? And he goes, no, my real name is JJ. It's initials only. So he went by JJ. <laughs> so I was 11 or 12 years old. I didn't need a father. I hadn't had a father since my parents got divorced when I was five years old. But he seemed like a nice enough guy. <laughs> so I tried to be nice to him, and he was pretty nice to me. He was also a football coach at Leveland High School and a school teacher at Leveland High School. And I went... Was he PE or history? Um, he or, might have been PE because his, his all of his focus was around yeah. was around edu- coach. was a co- coaching and he was also a very good track coach. He had some very 
good track teams at the time. Gotcha. And he actually was a very good athlete himself. He had actually grown up in a town called Earth, Texas, which I'll talk about in a minute. But at Earth, Texas, he was a football player and a track player. And he went to Texas Tech University in Lubbock on a, on a football athletic scholarship sometime in the 50s, probably the late 50s. I don't remember the years. So he actually played college football at... Uh, Texas Tech University wow. in Lubbock, Texas. Okay. And he was a fairly well-known athlete out there in West Texas. So anyway, what happened was it was in a, probably about the fall of 1969. I'm not absolutely sure if I've got these dates right. But I had had, I was on the football team. Uh, and we had junior high school, 7th, 8th, and ninth grade. And I was in the 7th grade. Now, in Texas, there is only one sport and it's still true to this day, and that sport is football. Uh -huh. And the only reason you play on the basketball team is so that you can get better hands for handling a ball, for <laughs> catching a football and passing a football. Okay. It's not really about playing basketball. So and why the, would you run track then? Well, the only reason you run track is so that you can run faster, stronger, and jump over people and through people. Okay. It's all about being a better football player. So I was on the 7th grade junior high football team. And now, remember, I am just this little, weak, slow kid. <laughs> Nothing special. But my stepfather was a football coach. And I was going to be a man, a young man, and play football because yeah. that's what you do in Texas. So I had finished. It was probably early October or maybe late October, and I had finished the Friday afternoon practice. Our games were on Thursdays, right. and my stepfather just had this Friday off, and his brother had called him from his hometown up in Earth, Texas. Isn't that a great name? Earth, Texas. It. Earth. Very small town. It's up in Earth, Texas. It's just a little bit, uh, a little bit in the vicinity of Amarillo. People know about Amarillo. Okay. Actually, do you know why you know about Amarillo? Amarillo by morning. Well, there's some songs. And they actually have some big stakes there, but there's another reason. The nuclear power, uh, nuclear weapons, a lot of them were assembled originally at a, a factory very close to Amarillo, Texas. I'm no talking idea. about nuclear bombs and missiles and stuff. And then when we started... Technically, Dad, it's nuclear. 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 If you asked. George W. Bush. It's nuclear. Okay. He's from Texas. Well, that he is from Texas. <laughs> so that yeah. must be how you say it. It must be. <laughs> so anyway, the thing that's funny about that is that uh, right up there by Amarillo and close to Earth, Texas, where my stepfather was from, was born and raised, there is this area where, and they then, when they started drawing the nuclear weapons down, uh -huh. they started disassembling them there. In Amarillo, they have a restricted area. When you fly over this area, you can't fly too close to it because it's a restricted area. And there's a lot of restricted areas all over. Uh, and by the way, I am a pilot by profession. Yeah, so that's I'm right. There. I forgot to, I meant to say that at the beginning. I was going to be like, so dad, tell everyone what you do for a job. Well, uh, should I talk about that now? Well, no, but you can in a minute. Well, maybe at the end. Yeah, okay. We'll talk about it. That but, good. So we'll anyway. We'll keep everyone in suspense. Right. So we finished the practice, and it's in October, and the temperature, you know, Texas, Texas only has, by the way, three kinds of weather. It's hot in the summer, it's cold in the winter, and it's windy all the time, <laughs> especially in West Texas. So it was a typical Texas day. We finished practice. My stepfather picked me up at the junior high school, and we were going to drive up to his family home in Earth, Texas, and take care of the pigs. They had a bunch of pig farms, okay. pig farm there. We are going to take care of the pigs. But the weather report says that the weather was going to get bad, and we called that a blue northern. 
You'd look to the north, and the sky would be slate blue, and the wind would pick up, and the temperature would drop. So when we first got we first got in our car, we started driving. We drove north to a little town, and it was called Littlefield. Isn't that a great name for a town? Yeah. Level Land, and we went to Littlefield. Littlefield. We stopped at Littlefield, a little convenience store, and we went in. And then I found out why I like Dr. Pepper. I now realize again. We go inside and we buy a couple of bottles of Dr. Pepper. Remember, everything was in a bottle in those days. There was no cans. Everything's about to be in a glass bottle again. Possibly. I hear. hear, And that might be good. So we went in. We got two Dr. Peppers, opened them up, and then we got a bag of peanuts, or as my stepfather called, goobers, and we stuck goobers in the top of the Dr. Pepper bottles, and we drank. And so we're driving along, drinking our Dr. Pepper and eating our goobers, (laughs) and I love Dr. Pepper. In fact, Dr. Pepper Cherry Mm. is the best soft drink there is, even though I know soft drinks are bad for you. That's the best soft drink in the world. Dr. Pepper Cherry. Dr. Pepper Cherry. And if you have to have a diet drink, you can take Dr. that to the bank. If you have to have a diet drink, get Dr. Dr. Pepper, Pepper Cherry, Cherry diet. diet. If you have to, but try not to because it's terrible. <laughs> anyway, so we get back in the car and we had heard this weather report that the weather was going to get bad. Mm-hmm. And so as I'm looking at the sky, I said to JJ, JJ, look at that sky. And he goes, oh, there's a blue northern coming down this way. It's going to get kind of bad. And we were in our Chevy Impala. We had this old, beat-up old Chevy Impala. And another thing I have to mention, J.J., bless his heart, was horrible about maintaining cars. He didn't. He would never change, get the oil changed or do a tune-up or do anything. He never changed, took care of his cars. He also didn't want you to lock and unlock the locks too many times, right? Because there's Correct. only so many clicks. And another one is if you were driving at night, and you had the high beams on, and you were going from low beams to high beams, he'd get very upset about that because that could wear out that little switch, and the high beams, low beams might not work someday when you need it. So, I actually know a story about that, that but I'll tell you for another time. That clicks clicks thing is true because I I wore out the lock on the passenger side of my Suburban, and it doesn't work now. Oh, you you know, I rode in that today, and it did work, and I couldn't understand how they Sorry about that. So anyway, so we're driving along and the temperature when we left was about 70 degrees. It's a hot day. You know, even though it's in October, that was common. It's hot. And the next thing I know, as we're drinking our Dr. Pepper with our goobers, the temperature drops about 35 degrees in about 30 minutes. So it goes from 70 to 35, and then it started to rain just a little bit. But in West Texas, when that rain hits and it's right at freezing, it becomes sleet. Mm -hmm. So then the rain turns into sleet, and then right after that, the sleet, then it came a little bit of snow. And for us, two or three inches is a a huge snowstorm. Yeah. But the problem is the sleet is all frozen underneath it. So we're driving along, and I said to JJ, I said, JJ, the windshield's starting to cover up. You need to get the defroster turned on <laughs> and get some heat on that windshield. She goes, I said, well, Stephen, and he always called me Stephen, even though I didn't like it. He said, well, Stephen, that's a problem. I noticed that I hadn't got the thing in and fixed that, that the defrost didn't work, the heater isn't working. I said, what? Oh, no. I said, JJ, we're in a blizzard here. We're going to be in a blizzard here, and we were a, a good... 50, 75 miles away from his family home. Oh, my goodness. So we drove for a while, and it got so bad. I said, J.J., we got to stop. Have you got an ice scraper in here? You know those plastic ice scrapers. I said, I look in the glove box, and I don't find one. I look under the seat, I don't find one. I said, J.J., do you have a glove box in there? And J.J. says, no, I ain't got no glove box. I don't need one of those. Here, Here's what I got. And he pulls a a coffee mug from under the seat that is a... (laughs) 
it's a blue coffee mug. You know how coffee mugs will have yeah. color? It's yeah. a blue coffee mug. And he says, I'll take care of this. So he stops on the side of the road. And he gets out and he starts scraping the ice off with the coffee, with mug, the coffee mug on the wind on, on the windshield, and so that cleared it. He cleared a little hole and he drove a little on. <laughs> then every so often we would stop and either he or I would get out there and we would scrape the ice off. And so I have a bad we, feeling about how we, this turns we out. barely got to the thing. We barely got to to um, to his. They called it the farm. The farm. And mm-hmm. we got to the farm. And we parked, and then the next morning we came out, and everything is just covered with sleet and snow, and it's just incredible. Well, later that day, it started warming up, which does in Texas. You know, it'll freeze, and then the next day it'll be 50 in the afternoon. So we go out there, and I found an old ice scraper, and I cleaned off his windshield, and guess what we had done to his windshield? It it had blue scratches all (laughs) over the windshield. It was terrible. And do you think JJ ever had the windshield replaced uh-uh. and fixed? No, I think no. he just drove with blue stripes on the windshield we, for that's forever. A, that's exactly what he did. <laughs> so that oh, was our man. trip. That was our trip to uh, to, to Earth, to Earth, Texas. Yeah, and, and in fact, they had a, an, a little sign there in Earth, biggest little town in Earth, <laughs> or biggest on little Earth. town on Earth, biggest little town on Earth, and it yeah. was a little bitty town. You know, a couple hundred people live there. Is all Nobody. I remember him. I remember him talking about Earth. I can remember the few times that, I mean, I know I met him multiple times in my life, but like when I was older and paying attention, I remember him talking about that in uh, Earth, Texas. That's easy to remember. So, can you believe 17 minutes already? Yeah, I was you a little worried. worried. I, I was, know. I was, I, was, I was telling Dad when we were talking about, when we were kind of like prepping for the prepping for the the show he was like I, I don't know i mean do you think we'll have enough to talk about i said you'll, you'd be surprised it's just like what did i say it's just like we're having a conversation with a third person in the room and the third person is the microphone yeah so chris couldn't believe that he talked as much as he did when i had him yeah. when i had him on here so all right so the next one the next story i wanted to hear about was about uh what you encountered out in West Texas. Oh, when, when I went were, to my cousin's house. Yeah, yeah. When you went okay. to your cousin's house. So the story I just told was uh, was my fr- was my seventh grade year. You know, it was in the fall of my seventh grade year. Well, the summer before that, I have this uh, cousin, and his name's Mike, and he lived in a little town called Spur, Texas. And Spur, Texas, is east of Lubbock, about where we call uh, where the high terrain is. We call <laughs> that the Caprock, where the Caprock dropped off at very, over just a few miles, the Caprock elevation would drop from 3,000 feet down to 2,000 or, or even 1,500 feet. It dropped off pretty bad, pretty rugged terrain it would drop off, and there was a little town there called Spur, Texas, and in fact, I, I pulled it up on my little map, and Spur, Texas is just a little bit south of a town called Crosbyton which is a road that we traveled through. So my my, um, my cousin invited me to come spend a week that the summer before that and and I said, "Oh, that sounds great." And and JJ and my mom said, "Sure, no problem." So I think JJ or, or my mom somebody probably drove me there and dropped me off. So I was staying there for a week and my uh, my cousin was 4 years older than me. I was probably right around 12. Oh, so he had or, his driver's license. And he had his driver's license. And he was a lifeguard at the local swimming pool. And what he didn't know is I love swimming and stuff. I wasn't on a swim team or anything, but I had a goal to get on a swim team someday, which I actually did do. Mm-hmm. And I still swim now, mm-hmm. all these years later. But 
So my cousins uh, said, hey, yeah, you can come. You can help work. You can come stay with us for a week, and you can come help me at the pool. I'm a lifeguard, and you can help with the pool. So I thought that was the greatest. And, <laughs> and he, did he say anything about, like, babes or anything? Well, he didn't talk about <laughs> it, but, but remember, and I'm 12, almost 13. I'm, a, I'm almost 13, so I'm starting to notice the girls. And, and he was actually considered a handsome guy, and he, of course, was on the football team there in Spur, Texas. He was. A little town, Spur, Texas. And he was a sharp guy, smart guy. And a hard worker, and I really liked um, uh, my aunt and his his dad and my uncle. They were real nice people, and he had a couple of sisters. Um, he had two sisters that were twins, actually, which is kind of interesting now. Oh, so wait, do we have twins in our family? Yes, well, not when, yet, but our, that's like three times removed. Yeah, my youngest, well. my youngest daughter, um, Lauren, she's pregnant Having with some twins. twins. Two little girls. And we don't know twins. if we don't know if they're identical or not. That'd be cool if they were, but even if they're not, just so they get here, okay. <laughs> uh, anyway, so so I, I show up, you know, and I and I go to the pool a couple of days with with my with my cousin uh, with Mike, and you know he lets me vacuum out the pool and I clean the bathrooms and just do all kinds of stuff. And I meet a couple of girls there at about my age, and so I flirt with the girls and I go <laughs> swimming and stuff. And so then about about maybe the day before I'm getting ready to go back home. It was like on a Saturday night, and they closed the pool a little bit early that day. Closed it at like 6 o'clock. So we close up the pool, we get everything done, and we, get, we jump in his car, and we're driving back to his house. And the pool was down in kind of a little bit of a lower area, valley area, and we're kind of driving up this road. And and my, Mike says, Steve, do you see that? I said, no, what is it, Mike? And he goes, there's a rattlesnake on the road. Oh. And I said, where? And he says, right over there. So we drive over to it, and we're in our car. And it's a diamondback rattlesnake, and it's all coiled up. Like, you, I know you've seen pictures of coiled up rattlesnakes. Mm-hmm. It's a diamondback rattlesnake coiled up, and there's a lot of diamondback rattlesnakes in that part of Texas. How big is a diamondback? Like, how big around? Oh, it's... Like, could you get your fist around it, or is it oh, bigger no, than bigger, that? Maybe bigger than oh. that. Very big, big. It's a big snake. It's a big, mean snake. Mm-hmm. Very poisonous diamondback mm-hmm. rattlesnake. And, in fact... Before I tell the rest of this, let me go on to say that every year in Spur, Texas in those days, they would have the rattlesnake roundup where they would go in and people would come in. Rattlesnake roundup people would come in and they would in, they would shoot gas or something down into the snake holes. Uh-huh. And as the snakes would come up, they would grab the snakes and then they would grab the rattlesnakes and then they would milk the snake's venom. Uh-huh. Because the snake venom could then be used for people who got bit by rattlesnake. Anti venom. Anti venom. And in fact, a few years later, one of my two twins who lived there got yeah. bit by a rattlesnake, and they saved her life by giving by getting her to the local hospital and giving her the snake venom. Oh my god! But it actually affected. She was a twin, and she was the same size as her sister. Mm-hmm. And then she never grew as big as big oh, really? as her sister. So she it actually stunted her growth. It stunted her growth. Now wow. it didn't hurt her health wise otherwise, but it stunted her growth a little bit. So when you so so we see the snake, I said, "Man, what are we going to do about this?" She said, "Well, those are bad snakes, and I'll show you. Here's what we're going to do." I said, well, what? And he goes, well, what we're going to do is we're going to go run over it with the car, but we got to be careful about that. If you just run over the snake, it'll coil up around the axle, and when you get out of the car, Ugh. it will bite you because it's mad because you just <laughs> ran over it. So what he said you have to do is you have to get a, a perfect aim on it, and then you have to run over it a bunch of times until you flatten it flat, and then you drive to the side, and you make sure it's flat. And, and if it's not there... Then you go to the house, and when you get out, you don't get out of the car. You start honking the horn, and when your dad comes out, you say, there's a rattlesnake underneath there, and then he'll get a hoe or something out there, and he'll pull the rattlesnake out, and then they'll, you know, kill the, kill the rattlesnake. 
So we did that. We ran over that rattlesnake. We ran over it and flattened it out flat as a pancake. It Gross. Was, it was unreal. So was that the same summer that, or was that the same summer in the same place where you said that if you went on the road at the right time of day or night, there would be tarantulas all, tarantulas all over the they road? Had, yeah, and I'm not sure if it was that time or if it was possibly later in the fall, because what would happen is the tarantulas would come out onto the road right before sunset, mm. and the road would still be warm. No! See? And so they would cover the road. <gasps> And you could drive along, and as and their their bodies are a little hard. You'd drive along, and they would pop. You'd hear them pop, 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 pop. and you would just smash them and pop them. And they Ooh. they weren't really bad. Except I mean, you tarantulas didn't... don't really. They're not aggressive, right? No, they they, they really mean, they won't don't bother. They don't want to bite you. No, they they but use still. if they see you, they run away. But we would run over them. And I don't know if it was then or if it was some other trip I made, but we would run over those. Uh, we did run over a few tarantulas and hear them popping that oh was pretty goodness. good i think i remember seeing one one spider one time at the tail end of the time that we lived in texas before we moved and um but i don't know if it was a tarantula or not because i didn't get that yeah, close I to don't it i don't remember but it was funny because we were when you were born it was at reese air force base hospital and uh and uh in what was it 1982 1982 mm-hmm. reese air force base hospital and then um, what was funny is then your mom got pregnant with, with, with turns out your brother. And then right before he got cheated out of being a true Texan. Yep. He's the only he's one in the, the only family. One who's not a Texan Aww. because I was born in Texas and Lindsay Lens was born in Texas and, and my brother. Lauren was born in Texas. Dustin. He, my Reba, my wife moved all the way to California with me, and then she had yep, he's, Dustin he's a California in California, boy. which he's not really, because I always tell him he's still a Texan because he was conceived in Texas, <laughs> but he was technically born. Those are born. the rules. <laughs> yeah, he was technically born, and then Lauren was born back he in Texas. He was robbed of his birthright. That's true. Well, um, I was going to say, so the story that I'm really looking forward to hearing again, um, because it's such a good story, but it, the reason that I love, the reason that I love it is because it's one of these stories where you cannot imagine something like this happening today. Like in 2019, the story you're about to tell almost like almost assuredly would not happen because of just the way things are. So that's where I was going to say, have you heard this, um, have you heard this phrase people talk about where they say, okay, boomer, have you heard this? Um, because of baby boomers? Because of baby boomers, No, yes. not really. Okay, so what does that mean? Well, it's kind of like, if you're a millennial, which I don't think I'm a millennial, I'm very, I got, I, I'm in this very strange time because supposedly people born between like 1978 and 1984, it's like a, they call it like a micro generation mm-hmm. because it was during that time that, that home computers came into use. So like it was, it was possible that you might have had a computer in your house the entire time you were alive. Mm-hmm. Unlike the generation before where you wouldn't have had a computer. And then obviously all the generations since like home computers have been, um, but anyway, so I'm part of this micro generation that they we're not quite Gen X, we're not Gen Z. Sometimes they call us Zennials with an X at the beginning, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. we're almost millennials, but not quite. Yeah. But but millennials, which is the generation which everyone is, you know, gives really hard time right now. The millennial generation, they have come up with this phrase where where like when someone your age is talking about like how things used to be, mm-hmm. you know. 
they'll be like, okay, boomer. Well, like, well, it's, me... so it's kind of like a put down a little bit, like, okay, you know, like, you know, enough, enough of that or whatever. Well, I want to mention something about computers and stuff, if I could, oh, yeah, before tell, I tell the story. Yeah, yeah. This, this is kind of interesting. I went to pilot training in January of 1980 at Reese Air Force Base in Lubbock, Texas. Okay. And I joined the credit union. I was brand new in the Air Force. I was a second lieutenant going to pilot training there at, at Reese Air Force Base. And I was uh, so I joined the 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 uh, Reese Air Force Base Credit Union, and I noticed that they were going to give away a free com- computer. So <laughs> I went ahead and signed up. Now I'd taken a couple of rinky-dink computer courses in college, but I didn't know anything about. And it was terrible. You had these all these cards. You'd do all this stuff, and you'd mm-hmm. run the cards, and something would be wrong, and you'd have to figure out which cards were wrong and fix the cards, and then run it again. And I said, you know, this computer stuff may be something someday, but right now <laughs> this is someday. terrible. I didn't have any interest in that. So I got a call on my home phone because we did not have cell no, phones in those no days. Cell phone. I got a call on the home phone saying that, hey, you won the computer. Oh, so won't. I went down to the credit union and said, really, what did I win? Now, folks, this is one of the very first computers that you would have in your home. It was called a TI. Texas Instruments. Oh, 90, Texas. Because I was in Texas, yeah, and Texas yeah. Instruments was a big computer pr- producer is, at the time. TI-99-4A. That's what the computer was. Now, this computer was in a basic <laughs> language, and there were no programs. You had to write your own programs, which I knew a little bit about. And it would be if, then, go to. is mostly numbers, mechanical number kind of programs. You had to write your own programs. And then when you got the data ready to store, you stored the data on a little cassette tape. Does anybody remember what a cassette tape looked like? Those little bitty cassette tapes. Like uh, like what you, like what, what my Wilson Phillips cassette? Well, like, like it looked could, the same or it's was those it those little, similar? yeah, little, it was a, just it a blank like little cassette a, tape okay. that like you would have music on, okay, cassette okay. tape. And then our monitor was a black and white TV set. <laughs> so I was looking at, and then, so I played with it for a little while and I thought, this is crazy. You know, this computer stuff, it might be something someday, but it's not there now. And then right at the very end, they had a game on there and this game. I called it the Pong game. I'm not sure what it's called, but it had these two little bars that you could move left or right and it had this little dot that would go between the two and you move the yeah. bars to catch the bars uh-huh. and to keep them in play. Like tennis, to keep them in play. And you got really good at it and, and go really, really fast. That was the best part of the whole game. The, <laughs> the whole computer the was Pong, that. The or, rudimentary or the, Pong game was uh, the best part yeah, of the Yeah, there was computer. no Pac-Man or anything. That was a few years later. Yeah, I, I'm surprised that little game thing that the kids have been playing with doesn't have Pong on it. We've been, we're here at this, um, we rented a lake house to have a family Thanksgiving at. And um, the kids, the first thing they found when we got here was they found this little like, it looks like they took the joystick off of an old arcade game and put it on like a little miniature box and it plugs into the TV and it's like plug and play. When you turn the TV on, it has like six different games. One of them is Pac-Man, which by the way, I got the highest score, 9,800, beat that. Um, but they've been playing, <laughs> they've been playing these games and, but Pong is not one of them. I thought it would be. I expected it. Well, it's a pretty basic game. You know, Pac-Man's is a pretty cool game. Pac-Man's a good one. Oh, and one other thing, you know, so the same time I win my computer on Friday nights, we, we would fly and on Friday nights, everybody would go to the O Club, the officer's club. And so we'd walk into the casual bar 
And one thing about it in the Air Force and probably all the services, if you walk into the casual bar and you don't take your hat off before you walk into the bar, you have to buy the bar. You have to buy one round of the no. bar. And when you're a second lieutenant and don't have much money, you don't want to make that mistake too many times. You might do it once just to be a good a good, a good guy, you know, yeah. in the squadron. But you don't do it often because it costs too much money. And, you know, a beer might have been like $1.50 or something. And if you're buying like 20 of those, that's like, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. You, you, and when you don't make much money. So that still feels uh, like a lot of money to me. Yeah, so so it was funny. You could you go into the bar and and they had these they had the very first beginning uh, machines, uh, electronic machine games. Yeah, arcade games. Arcade games, uh-huh. the very very first ones. And there might have been a Pac Man in there, Pac Man in there, but I don't know. So they had a few of those games. It's pretty addictive. I enjoy yeah. it. Yeah. It reminds me of when me and Dustin were little, and Dustin had that first that brand new Nintendo. Oh, you know, yeah. the first generation of Nintendo. Sure. And we would sit in his room and just like zombie out to the Nintendo. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe now now everybody zombies way. out because they have their phone now in their face. Now we just zombie out to our Or their iPad yeah. or something. Yeah. And everywhere I go, that's all I see. And, and so then <laughs> so, people wonder why they're not doing real well. So I think that's why. that's something that would never have happened when you were a kid. But I want you to tell the story of what you did that would absolutely never happen today just because of the way that life is like you know in this year of 2019 where every you know you everything has to be safe and by the book and we're very concerned about things like insurance and oh, yeah. you know all of this kind of stuff so i want i want you to tell us tell us a tale all right so here's what happened my stepfather uh, who was a high school coach and, and a teacher, you know, a football coach, track coach, and a teacher at Leveland High School, he got a better job. He got an assistant principal job at a little town in East Texas called Lake Dallas. And this was after my after my seventh grade year. So I'd finished the seventh grade year, and it's in the summer after the seventh grade year. And I believe the year, I looked it up, I think it was 1970. And so I am 13 years old. I turned 13 in my seventh grade. I'm 13 mm-hmm. years old. Now, I had done some driving of cars and trucks and stuff because out on the farm, I would jump. They would tell me, Steve, get in that truck and go down a few uh, a few miles over there and pick up some, uh, you know, some, some tools or some machine or something. And I'd driven a few little tractors and all. It's real common if you work on a farm. You're yeah. going to drive a truck. You're going to drive a tractor. You're going to do some mechanical driving and stuff. And so sometimes JJ would let me drive the truck or stuff out there on the roads and all. And they didn't let me drive in town much, but every once in a while, I'm only 13 years old. <laughs> and so I don't have a learner's permit and it's not legal. Even then you had to be 15 to get a learner's permit. I think if you were in a rough state, they might even let you get one at 14 if like it was a medical problem in your family but that was very rare 15 15 you could get a learner's permit but then you still had to have an adult with you so jj says to me one day says steven and jj called me steven too he said jj says steven you know we're getting ready to move we're going to move to lake dallas how do you feel about that and i said i'm all right jay that'll be all right i guess i'll move there and he said well don't worry we're not going to live in lake dallas we're going to live in denton texas I found my your mom's found a house already. We're going to buy this house in Denton, and it's a nice town. It's got real good schools. But the school I'm working at is a little smaller school. It's a, it's a, in Texas they have they have class they have classifications like one A, two A, three A, four A, and a lot of a lot of places have it. So so a it's a class A school, real so small, single A, very single yeah. A school, uh-huh. real small school. And then uh, other schools are higher. And Denton was a four A school, which was the largest size high school in the state at the time. 
So I said, okay, that sounds fine. I said, well, what does that mean? He goes, well, you know, we got three cars. We got that. We got the 68 VW Bug, which I had driven out on the farm. Yeah. And then he had a car and my mom had a car. And his, his car, he was going to tow a big trailer behind. And my mom had some kind of car. And I don't remember what it was. And then they had the 68 VW Bug and they needed somebody they had to get it back, and he didn't have any way to tow it or anything. Right. So he says, would you be willing to drive the VW Bug, follow us at, at, in the afternoon and evening, and drive that VW Bug to Denton, to down to Lake Dallas, Texas? And, and, and Stephen, it's about a five, five-and-a-half-hour drive. Would you be willing to do that? And I said, well... I, if you th- if you think so, I guess so. I don't know. I guess so, JJ. And I don't know. I don't think about it. I know it's not legal, but I don't think anything of it. So we get everything all ready to go, and realize I've only driven on little two lane highways and stuff. Right. At you, all. You've been done mostly like big out, driving. Mostly out in the country. So we. I even pulled this up on a map uh, from from uh, Leveland, Texas, to Lake Dallas, Texas. I got this map in front of me. And we started out at Leveland. It was probably around, oh, th- two or three in the afternoon. All of our other stuff was piked up, and the movers were moving our other stuff. So we, we started out. My mom's in the car, and she just hauls she just hauls butt and gets out of there ahead of us. JJ's right in front of me towing a trailer, and I'm in the VW Bug, 68 VW Bug, which I thought was a cool little car. It was cool. And oh, if this was 1970, so it was only two years old. It was only a couple years old. Yeah, I was driving a new little car. Yeah, it's cool. Beep, beep. And it had a little bit small little motor. It's nothing special. Oh, one thing I got to tell you about the car that was cool. So I'm driving in the car. We had a big aquarium. Yeah. So we had all these fish, and we needed to carry the fish. And I told JJ, I said, JJ, how are we going to take the fish? And he goes, oh, i got a great idea about that. You know those big old plastic jugs that you put in a water cooler, and you flip them upside yes. down in a water cooler? We had one we just finished. So he said, what we'll do is we'll drain all that aquarium water in there, and then we'll stick the fish in there, and we'll put that on the front on the front floorboard of of the VW Bug, and you can you can transmit, take the a fish. fish jug. So a I jug of the, fish. I had the jug of fish, so I... So there, the, and it can't slop out because you know that's a little right, bitty neck at the top, yeah. and you can put a little top on it. So, so it was a perfect thing. So I'm driving. So we get ready and we leave. So we leave out of Level Land now in the in the in the early afternoon, and we're on Highway 114. And we're going east out of Level Level Land, and then we get to Lubbock. Now Lubbock, Texas, is a big big town. My birthplace. And in fact, in fact, that's right. Well, you were actually born at Reese Air Force Base, oh, which sorry. is Outside very close okay. to Lubbock. The, the Reese Air Force that's Base fair. was that's very fair. close to Lubbock, but we always say Lubbock because nobody knows about Reese Air Force Base. So we get to Lubbock, and there was a loop around Lubbock. You know, in in there's there's loops, and they have numbers, and this loop was loop 289, and the loop went all the way around. Well, it's a big four-lane highway thing. Oh, my God. And so we come, we're up on 114, and J.J. had talked to me about these things I would have to do. He said, you just follow me. We'll stay in the right lane, and we'll only go 55, and we'll take the loop. <laughs> so we take the loop, and we go around the south part of Lubbock around, and then we hook back up, and we hook back up with... Uh, with uh, uh, well, at first we we were gonna. I thought we were hooked back up on, on Highway 114, but we didn't. We hooked up on Highway 62 right out of Lubbock, and that Highway 62 later became Highway 82. And this is all current. If you pull this up in uh, Map 
Google Maps, you'll see this. So we get through there, nothing wrong. I'm just driving along. Now remember, I'm 13 years old. I'm a skinny little kid. I weigh about 120 pounds. I'm about five foot eight and a skinny little guy. And I'm just driving along in the car. <laughs> with I your fish jug. With my fish jug there. And I don't look like I ought to be doing this probably, but nobody says anything. So then we come out of there and we get, and we get around the town. And then the next town we go, we go through a little town called Idaloo. 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 Oh, how sweet. Idaloo. Bless her and, heart. And I had actually driven with JJ on these towns because we had some friends who lived in Denton. And my mom uh, later uh, well, also lived in Denton. So we had flown, driven this routing. Uh-huh. I had driven this routing with, with with my mom and JJ before, uh-huh. but I hadn't driven it. Uh, I'd read, ridden along, ridden I'd ridden along, along yeah. but I had not driven it. And we actually used this route a whole bunch later when I went to Reese Air Force Base and we'd come back to Denton to visit my family and I would, did this thing many, many times, but I was an <laughs> adult then. I wasn't 13 years old. So then the next little town was the na- town of Rawls, R-A-L-L-S, Rawls, nothing special. Then we came to a town of Crosbyton. And interesting, Crosbyton is also where my parent, my grandparents were buried. So one of them was had already passed away, kind of young, and then my grandfather Ed on my mother's side, he was. I went to a funeral and he was buried there in Crosbyton later. So we're driving along, no problem, you know. We're driving along in the car and everything. I probably had a Dr Pepper with some goobers. I don't know. (laughs) I don't remember that part. But we're driving along, and then we get um, just past Crosbyton. The Cap Rock starts to, you come back off the Cap Rock. Mm-hmm. Remember I told the Cap Rock's at right 3,000 feet, mm-hmm. and the train drops really drastically, and we were very close to where my cousin lived, Spur, which I already told you the rattlesnake mm-hmm. story right. about the, at Spur. And then after Spur, then we come along, and we come through a town of Guthrie, and Guthrie sounds like some country song or something like that, but I don't know. It's just a little town out there. And then we went to a town called Benjamin, and then we got to a town called Seymour. Seymour is about halfway between Leveland and Lake Dallas. So that's where we stopped and we went to a favorite place for hamburgers. And this was one of those favorite places. And I'm not sure what it was called, but they came out, the girls came out on roller skates uh-huh. and they delivered our hamburgers. Uh-huh. So I drive up in my car and I park. And I had a little bit of money, and so the girl like comes up, and, and I roll the window down. She brings my little, and they put your little meal would sit on a little tray that would hook onto the to the window. Mm-hmm. And so, so we I've sit there, that. and we we drank or I drank a coke, you know. In those days, uh, I we still had coke. We I drink cokes if I couldn't get a Dr Pepper. Yeah, I drink cokes. I had coke, and a hamburger, and and you know some fries or something like that. And so everything's going great, no problem. Well, we come through this next little town. And it's about the sun's about to set, so it's not getting dark. Yeah. And we're driving along, and I see a cop sitting on the side of the road, <laughs> and he's just sitting right there, and he's just looking. And I immediately check my speed, make sure I'm not speeding. And so I drive through this town, had two or three stop signs in this town. I drive by the town. I don't look at the cop. I, I look straight ahead. I drive through the town, and we get through the town, and we get through the other side of town. I thought, oh, my gosh. I just drove by a cop, you know, because so these are little, this, these roads are little two lane roads for the most part, except for when we did that loop, 289 loop, that's a big four laner, that's a bigger loop. We had done the loop around uh, the big town, but everything else was back to two lane road. So we keep driving along, we're driving along and, and everything's fine. We get past the cop, we already had dinner, everything's fine. And now it's dark. Now I'm driving, 13 years old, driving along <laughs> in this VW Bug, a four speed transmission, standard transmission, driving along. And eventually, we get all the way to Denton, and we come into Denton, and now, from Denton, we had to get on the interstate. Now, the interstate there, what happens in, 
Interstate 35 East comes from Dallas and Interstate 35 West comes from Fort Worth and it comes together in Denton and then going north out of Denton, it's Interstate 35. Okay. So it splits coming through those towns. And so we end up getting on Interstate 35 East and we get on the highway and now, you know, the highway speed 65 or 70. So we're going 65 or 70 and, and I haven't seen my mother in quite a while, but she had actually slowed back up and, and JJ was running slower and he had in his stomach. So he's behind me and now I'm following her. Okay. So we drive through Denton, which I, which I realized was the town I was going to move to shortly, but I didn't know anything about Denton. Yeah. I never, ever had ever driven on the highway and I'm following my mom and she's hot footing it. <laughs> In her Chevy Impala, going too fast. Got that 327 uh, V8 motor, and she's going too fast. I can barely stay up with her. And so we get through 35 East, and we get out of town, and it's all country again. And we cross, we come up, and we we come up, and then I see the sign for Lake Dallas. So my mom takes an exit to get off the highway at Lake Dallas, and I don't know where we're going to some little apartment complex that they've rented. Uh, for a, a, a few weeks while we're waiting to get to move into our house. Mm-hmm. So it's dark as all get out. It's like 10 or 11 o'clock at night. I'm tired. We've been driving for five hours, <laughs> been on the road probably for six and a half hours. And so my mom gets off the highway and I'm following her and she comes up to this stop sign and she rolls through the stop sign and makes a turn on this access road. And as she rolls through the stop sign, I see a cop over the left. Oh, no. And as she rolls through the stop sign, his lights go up. Woo! His lights are on. And I come to the stop and I stop. And then I see my mom's driven down the road maybe a half a mile, and the cops pulled her over. So he, she's pulled over to the side of the road. The cop lights are going. I'm right behind her. I don't know where I'm going. I'm in Lake Dallas, Texas, and I'm 13 years old, and I don't know what I'm going to do. And so I thought to myself, well, you can't stop because the cop's going to know you're underage when he sees this kid get out of this the VW bug. So what I decided to do is I went past my mom, and there was a little road about a quarter of a mile, and I made a uh, and she could see me. I was felt pretty sure, and I made a little left turn on the little road, and I went down about a quarter mile, and I stopped, and I parked on the side of the road, and I turned everything off, and I just sat there, and I didn't cry, but I was really worried <laughs> because, thought about it. because I thought about crying, but I didn't cry, but I thought, oh my gosh, if mom didn't see me turn, what is going to happen? I don't know where I am, and I we don't have a cell phone, folks. I don't know anybody there. I don't know anybody to even call. And so I'm just thinking, oh, my God, if she doesn't come get me sometime, I'm going to wait an hour. And if she doesn't, I'm going to have to go find a police station and turn myself in or something. I don't know what I'm going to do. And so about 15 minutes later, my mom comes up in, in a car and she pulls over. Oh, Stephen, that was great. I saw where you turned. That was a great idea. I'm glad you did saw. I know that cop would have been in a bunch of trouble and I would have been in a bunch of trouble. And I said, yeah, I know, Mom. We should have probably talked about this before we you know, what we were going to do if something bad happened. So she said, well, we're almost to the apartment here. Follow me. So we turned back around and we drove a few more miles and we got to the apartment and we parked. And, and I got the big fish tank out, you know, the, the big bowl thing, got <laughs> the, the fish, fish tank, jet. took that out. And, and, uh, and I actually had the dry aquarium things. I poured all the water oh, in there and the fish goodness. chunked back into it. And that's how I got myself, that's how I got to drive over five hours in a 68 VW Bug when I was 13, 13 years, years old. 13 years old. Yeah. Guarantee that would not happen today. Yeah, I know. My goodness. That, you know, hearing that story makes me feel a lot better about the fact that, um, that my oldest child informed me that her father let her drive home from the gas station a couple weeks ago. You know that convenience store out by our house? 
It's like halfway between our house and where you get on the interstate. There's that convenience store. Yeah, right, right. He, he rode out to the convenience store and had her in the truck with him. And he let her drive the truck home from the convenience store the back way. Not on the yeah. not on the main way, the and, back way. And how way. old is she, 12 now? She's 12. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that was one. about, uh, it's, I'd say about two miles, maybe. Yeah, that's something. That's not that's alone not in the car. Not 200 miles. Night. Yeah, no, that was... <laughs> It, it actually, it says on here that the mileage was 333 miles, and it was five hours and 12 minutes estimated, 333 miles, and that Alex, was, you that hear was, that? 333. That's an inside joke. Oh, okay, good. 33 is the magic number. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, yeah, that's wow. crazy. Well, I don't, see, I don't think actually out in the country on a, a dirt road that that's bad, because kids need to learn how to operate machinery and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, you know, just in case. But I don't think they ought to probably be doing what I do. <laughs> I never well, let my kids do that. I will tell you, the reason that he let her do that is because he said, he told her, if I pass out in the front seat, you need to be able to climb on top of me and drive the car back to the house so that your mom can get me to the hospital. I said, don't you have a cell phone with you? Couldn't she just call 911 from the side of the road while you're passed out in the driver's seat? He said, oh, that's that's silly. She could just drive home. She could just sit on top of me and drive me home. <laughs> that's crazy. I think but the that, cell phone call that, would be better, probably. <laughs> that reminds me of... The time that um, that the two of you were planning on taking one of your flying trips, and this was before mm-hmm. Chris got his private pilot's license. Okay. So my dad made an allusion to the fact that he is a pilot. He's actually a commercial airline pilot for Delta Airlines, and he's been employed with Delta Airlines since when? 32 years. 32 years. Okay, since 1988. And, no, 1987. Uh, I'm sorry, since 1987. <laughs> and, um, and then in the, in the last, what, 10, 12 years, you've had your... Your um, eleven years. I've eleven had, years. Yeah, I have an airplane had, that I finished and yes, we've been he, flying it for he eleven built, years. He built an airplane in his garage. Yeah. Yeah. They home home built aircraft. It's an R V eight A. That's correct. Mm-hmm. And so he and Chris like to go on these flying trips. And for some reason they think it's fun to fly like you know, from the East Coast all the way to the West Coast in this tiny little airplane that takes you, you know, forever and a day to get there. Well, we, we for but example... it's fun. It's fun. For, for example, we left uh, a few years ago. We left, um, we left where we flew, and we flew six flights, 15 hours, all the way out to Seattle. That's great. A year before that, we'd flown all the way out to... Um, to Maine, to Bar uh-huh, Harbor, Maine, uh-huh. and then with my son, I've actually flown with him all the way down to Key West. Uh-huh, so I've right. covered the entire U.S. in You've terms been of to a all distance. The corners, thing. yeah. Now I haven't actually flown it to California because there's just too much airspace and too many oh, problems yeah. in California. But I've flown a lot of other places around the country. Well, there was this one time I remember you guys were going on one of these trips, and it was before Chris had his private pilot's license, and he, the two of you were sitting at the kitchen table, and you were telling him, "All right, so." If I'm dead in the front seat, here's what you need to do to land the airplane. First, you gotta re- first you gotta stand up and reach over the dead guy in the front seat. Press that button for the radio and call the airport. And see if anybody will answer back to you. And then you tell him, "I got a dead guy in the front seat, and I'm t- <laughs> I'm not a pilot. I'm trying to land this plane. And see if anybody will come on the radio and help you land the plane." So that kind of was Chris's reasoning for why he let our our child drive home from the gas station, you know, in case the good. dead guy in the front seat. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a good reason. And actually, it's so cool. Now that Chris has his license, I put Chris in the front seat of my airplane, and he's flown in the front seat all over quite yeah, a bit. he enjoys so that's that. Good. And only, only one time has he really busted the landing pretty bad, right? 
Oh, he, it wasn't even that bad. But he, he had one not so good one because I was in the back seat and tra- teaching him to, to land it from the front seat. Your plane and, is a uh, lot faster than his plane that yeah. he rents. He he rents a little Cessna. Dad's plane is very zippy compared yeah, it, to the Cessna. Yeah, he, he flies a 172, which is a nice airplane, but it, it's uh, my airplane's like a sports car. Yeah. And his airplane's like a fa- family sedan. <laughs> well, can you believe that you've been going for 51 minutes? Nope. See, I, I told can't. you there was nothing to worry about. No possible way we were going to run out of material. All right. Well, can you think of anything else you want to say? No, can't think of anything. Covered all the high points about yeah. Texas? Sure. That's right. Uh, you're not from Texas, but Texas wants you anyway. That's right. Lyle Lovett, <laughs> folks. If, you, if you've never heard Lyle Lovett sing, you ought, ought to listen to some of his stuff. It's sort of a Texas swing. Not really country. I'm not sure That's what right. Lyle Lovett really is. not really country. You're right about he's, that. Uh, he's not really country, but... Um, I love listening to him. And he has actually, he has what he calls his uh, large band. It's not big, it's large. It's large. And in the large band, he has a famous blues singer, Francine Reed, who is very popular and very uh, from the Atlanta area, black lady. And Francine has this really raspy voice. And she'll be singing along. She's Francine Reed. Francine Reed is one of my favorite bluesy uh, singers I've ever heard. She's incredible. And she's about 80 years old now, and she still performs with Lyle Lovett. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. I hope when I'm 80, I can still offer something of value to the universe. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that'd be good. All right, well, then I suppose I'll just do the the closing up shop stuff. All right. All right, so... Uh, You already know this is Oddly Adulting, the podcast, but just in case this is the first time you've ever listened to it, I don't, I I doubt that's true, but just in case we picked up a listener in episode 22, you can find me at oddlyadulting.com. You can, and you can stream episodes there. You can also follow the podcast. You can, oh, what's it called? Uh, Subscribe. You can also find it on any of the podcast apps. You can also email me at oddlyadulting at gmail. And you can also find me on Instagram with the same handle, at Oddly Adulting. And if you um, listened today and you ascribed some value, if you felt like, hey, that was worth at least like the price of, I don't know, a cup of coffee or a movie ticket or uh, a Dr. Pepper and a bag of goobers, yeah. <laughs> you are more than welcome to go to oddlyadulting.com and hit the donate button. You can send some money my way and maybe I'll even buy my dad a Dr. Pepper to say thanks for coming on the episode with me. So, um, you know, if you made it all the way to the end of it, you know what I'm going to say. I love you. And Jesus does too. Right, Dad? Right. Jesus (laughs) does too. (laughs) All right. That's it. Bye. Kevin McLeod, winner, winner. <laughs>